You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. Well, good morning again. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I was reminded as we were singing that last song, um, a phrase I heard one time a pastor say, be careful what you sing. Be careful what you sing. And as Ari led us in that, she said, listen to the words. I will make room for you. Shake up the ground of all my traditions. Break down the walls of all my religion. If you sing that song, get ready for Luke chapter 9. Because here it comes. I don't know about you, but uh, I really love movies. And in the last several years, um, it seems like there's been more and more movies that have been based on real life, or maybe you should say based off of real life, because there's like 10% truth and 90% fictional in there. Uh, But uh, if we look at the names of the movies, uh, of these movies that are based off of a real life situation, uh, you, you may get a picture of what they're talking about, but you may not always understand what the movie is going to be about. So I want to play a quick game with you. I'm going to name uh, a title of a movie that is based off of something that actually happened, based off of reality. And I want you, as loud as you can, to give me a one-word definition of this movie. Right? Like, so if, you know, I said Titanic, you would say... That was, you know, coffee people, we need more coffee. Wow. So you could say shipwreck and say that was one word, right? You could say iceberg. You could have said Leonardo, you know, that's close. So just, that was a warm-up route. So here we go. First movie, American Made. That was more than one word. Nobody's ever heard of this? Amazing. Okay, well, here, we'll show you up. It's drugs, right? Drugs. Movie number one. You're like, we're in church. I didn't think I'd show that kind of movie up there. Uh, If you thought that, here's number two. Wolf of Wall Street. That was, anybody, did anybody say Wall Street? No. Money, greed, okay, in case you hadn't seen it. Leonardo, you could have said that one. The Social Network. Yes. The Facebook. There it is. And you see how blurry that picture is? That was the highest resolution picture I could get. That's just how, you know, life has changed. Number four, pain hustlers. Pain hustlers. This one's new. Drugs. Yes. Pharmaceutical, you could have said. Something like that. Number five, the greatest showman. Yeah, there we go. And you may be wondering, why are all of these movies, except for the last one, Pastor Chris, rated R? And it's because your lives are terrible and dirty. And, you know, that's, if you, you know, maybe not yours, but here's what I'm saying. If you, if you get a movie based off of reality, uh, then, you know, it shows reality. So there's, there's kind of how that works. So, uh, if you were to make a movie based on the real events surrounding missions, what would the title of the movie be? If you were going to make a movie surrounding the, the work of missions or missionaries, what would the title be? I came up with one that I thought was kind of fun. The Business of Winning Souls. 
The Business of Winning Souls. And that's the title of my sermon today. Now, you could certainly look at this and you could have a negative bent towards what it's saying, but I think if you really get to the bottom of missions, and if you don't know what missions is, we'll talk about it here in just a minute, what you will find is missions isn't something that just happens. I think we want it to just happen, but missions isn't necessarily something that just, I woke up tomorrow and I all of a sudden became a missionary. There is something intentional about missions. So missions are extremely intentional. Mission agencies are very intentional. Churches are extremely intentional in equipping and motivating God's people to then be on mission. And where there is intentionality, there is generally a plan. There is then a method. And here's kind of the way it works. These plans and these methods are formed. We, we kind of begin with a, a theology of mission meaning an an understanding from God's Word of what it means to then be on mission. We look at kind of the history of missions. So what did the first missionaries do? What did the apostles do? What what did the the church do for the last 2,000 years making Jesus' name known? And from there, we then develop what is called a philosophy of missions. So kind of an understanding of here's how we do missions as Piedmont, or here's how, you know, this group of churches, this network of churches comes together and does missions. Here's how this denomination does missions. And then we contextualize, meaning we take this philosophy and we apply it to specific places in a strategic plan to help reach the lost. And this is what the purpose of missions is. Similar to what we did this morning in, in baptism. We gather as a church, not just so that you can be edified and you can feel really good about your life, Like the purpose of you being made new in Christ is so that you can show others what Christ did in you and they can take, they can take their brokenness and they can go to him and they say, I want to be new. I want to go from death to life in Christ. And that is what baptism symbolizes. That we were being buried with all of our sins and our transgressions, but we, we are being raised new in Jesus. And I don't know if you know this or not, Christ follower, but that is the purpose of your life. But here's what we do. I do it too. We look at our life as if there's another greater purpose. But your job, your parenting, your relationship with your spouse, all of it should culminate and point to really one thing. And it is making God known. Like, I don't know if you know this about marriage, But when two become one, it is a picture of the gospel. Like we were given marriage certainly to help us, but also then to point other people into what it means to surrender to someone else and to point to a higher being, and that being is Jesus. So today what we're going to do is we're going to dive into this Luke chapter 9 text. And if you've been following along with us for the last year or so, you might be going, hey, Chris, Aren't you supposed to be in like Luke chapter 8, verse 40? And I am, but for the purpose of today and the baptism, I'm going to Luke 9, and then next week I'll go back to 840. So I'm not skipping anything, so in case you get a little worried, we're going to dive into the entire book of Luke, I promise. So let's dive into Luke chapter 9, verse by verse. Let's walk through it. I want to read it again, as Pastor Mateo read it for us earlier. It says, And he called the twelve together, and he gave them power, 
and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart to the next. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And so the apostles departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What you're going to see in this kind of series, in this, this little small paragraph here, are three actions on the part of Jesus. He calls, he empowers, and he sends. You're going to see three actions on the part of Jesus. And these three things are the basis for our theological understanding of missions. These three, three things are how we understand how God then moves through us to other people and moves us to be missionaries, every single one of us. So basis number one is that God calls. God calls. Now, I, I want to split this up, and I'm going to move as quickly as I can in here. There's really kind of two calls that happen. Okay, the first one in this text is implicit, and the second one is explicit. So the implicit one is what we call the effectual calling. It's where God's sovereign drawing of a sinner to salvation. So what you're seeing in this text is that these apostles, these disciples, have already had this implicit call, meaning they are following Jesus. It's implicit in this text, but in the first eight chapters of Luke, it was very explicit, right? He walks up to people and says, hey, drop everything and follow me. That's an explicit thing. That's very noted in the scriptures. And so what we know about these 12 disciples is that they've been given a calling to leave everything in their life and follow him. But in this text, what we're going to launch to is the empower and send portion. And I want to make sure very clear that you understand the first thing you need to do to be a missionary is you've got to be a child of God. And I want to go to a, a longer text to kind of unpack this. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through verses 10. And this is the kind of effectual call, the, the calling for someone to go from death to life in Christ laid out in a couple of quick verses. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. A lot of implications there. So the world is fallen. It is dead. You are in the world. You are then dead too. Following the prince of power of the air. This is Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So this is that picture of being dead in your trespasses. Here's what it means. Every single human that has ever walked this earth was in sin. And then the greatest two words in Scripture, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. 
It is by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Right? So your salvation is so that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, through belief, through this understanding, this knowledge of who Jesus is and this reception that he is now your Lord. That is what faith is. And most of us think, oh, that's something we do. We made this choice. And then what does he say? This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of your works so that no one may boast we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. John, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John chapter 6, and he says it a little differently in one verse. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the first thing that's implicit in this text when he's looking to these disciples and he's about to send them is their calling has happened. The effectual call. They are in Christ. So God calls his children to believe. This is part one of that calling. Part two is the explicit thing that you see. It's the call to make disciples. Now I know we use this make disciples phrase in church a lot. And I want to make sure that we all get it. What does it mean to make a disciple? It means to teach or to model others what it means to follow Jesus. I heard a pastor say recently, a guy named Craig Rochelle. He's an amazing pastor, amazing leadership guru, coach, all the things. Like He's very wise. He was talking about parenting and raising your kids to follow Jesus. And he says this, your children don't just become what you say. Any parents in the room? Listen to that, right? Your children don't just become what you say. They become what they see. More is caught than what is taught. And that sucks. <laughs> Can I just be frank? Right? Like, I'm a parent. And what I want is I want for my kids to do what I say, don't always do what I do. Because I mess up a lot. But what he's getting at in that teaching is what it means to make disciples isn't that we can't mess up. It's how we handle life and our relationship with Jesus when we mess up is what we're modeling for our kids. It's what we're modeling to other people. If you think you're going to go through your life and you're not going to have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, you're wrong. You're going to have these things, and they're going to be stumbling blocks in your life. But the question is, will they be the ultimate stumbling block, and they will, will they turn your affections and your desires away from the Lord, or will you use them to stand on the boldness and the power of Jesus and say, I have no strength, you have the authority. And just own your weaknesses. That's what I want my kids to see. It isn't that their daddy's this really good preacher, it's that their daddy loves Jesus. That's what I want them to see. Yeah, he's going to say a bad word maybe when he drops a hammer on his toe. But that's not the end of his relationship with Jesus. Nor is it really even the beginning. It's just a part. Right? 
When he messes up, when there's something that goes wrong, I want them to see that I thirst for Jesus on the mountain as much as I thirst for him in the valley. And that is so much easier said than done. But that is what it means to make disciples. Think about your friendships. What do they see from you and what do they hear from you? We talk about making disciples. This is the calling. This is what he's leading his disciples to do. And eventually, by the way, we're going to get to it. He's calling you to do it as well. Like to make disciples. Not to preach at disciples. Not to just, you know, say things towards disciples. But to like actually walk with people and model life for people. Your employees. Your employers. Your spouse. Your children. We've even had like intentional conversations about the importance of Hunter's job in picking songs and leading us in worship surrounding this topic. Because here's the deal. You don't necessarily remember what I preach next week. If I'm honest, I don't always remember what I preached last week. But you know what we do remember? The melodic songs that we sing, the melodies, the words. We remember... Oh, that's that song. When I've sang it three or four times, I got all the lyrics. I could preach this message to you three or four times in a row. You're not going to remember it. Right? So the doing is so much more important than the saying. But the saying connects to the doing. We have to make disciples. This is why we went to missional communities. This is why we launched missional communities. Because we want to live as a family in Christ. We want to serve as Christ served. And then we want to be missionaries to do what Christ has called us to do. And if you're hearing this and you're going, I don't know if I can make disciples. I don't know how to be a disciple maker. No one ever discipled me. Jesus doesn't leave you where he found you. He empowers you, which is our second point. There are a ton of passages But for brevity, I just want to kind of show you one today. It's that same book where Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. In chapter 3, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. I want to stop there. When you pray, do you ever go, God, just give me more than I'm even going to ask for? Like, I feel like I'm reaching for the moon. But I trust that you can give me far more abundantly than whatever I can ask or imagine. And then are you open to the far more might not even be what you asked for? Think, I mean, think about that, right? Like we go to him, we go, God, I need this. I need X. And I'm open for you to do so much more. And then what if his response is cool, then you don't actually need X? Are you willing to lean into the far more abundant? Like that's what he's looking at. Why are we willing to do this? Give me far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Not because of our ability to lean into him or our ability to do the great works, but because of his power. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And amen. Jesus gave these apostles great gifts. And we talked about this several weeks ago, so I'm not going to go in length about it, but you can go to 1 Corinthians 12, and you can read about all the gifts, and you can read about how we've all been uniquely gifted to follow after Jesus. So we just need to develop those giftings and lean into what he has 
for us. It's just like working out. It's just like any other discipline in your life. You have to work at it. Yes, some things will come very naturally too. And you will just function right in line with the Spirit and it'll, it'll be a beautiful thing. There are others of us, we have to work very hard. I, I remember taking a, um, a spiritual gift test. I was probably maybe two, three years in, into my relationship with Jesus. And I took it and at the bottom. Some of y'all gonna, who know me are going to laugh. You're going to say it's still there. The bottom of the test was encouragement and mercy. Good, no chuckles. Praise the Lord. I took the test again about a year and a half ago, two years ago. They were still at the bottom, but the numbers got bigger, right? And so it's something that I have worked on for the last 16, 17 years of my life to go, God, I need to be more encouraging. My staff prays for it probably every day. Like, this guy needs some more encouragement because he's terrible at it. And I am. It's not something, it's not the way I was wired. It's not my gifting. That doesn't mean I just go, ah, don't worry about it, you just take it, right? It does mean that I need to lean into some of the giftings that I are not excelling at while trying to maintain and grow the ones that he has given me. He empowers us. He gives us ways to grow these things. He gives us quiet times. He gives us people. He gives us each other. That's why we have MCs. That's why we have worship gatherings. All these types of things. We can use our giftings. There's places in this church that you need to serve to use your giftings. There's places in your life at work you need to use those giftings. You need to be looking to develop your spiritual giftings in Christ. If you don't know how to do that, find one of us. Find my staff, one of my elders. Who, somebody, find somebody who will disciple you on how to. So that's number two. He empowers you. You don't have to do it on your own. Making disciples, it's, it's like salvations don't happen because I preached a great message. That's just seed and water, right? I just pour in water and I'm just throwing seed. Salvations happen because God made it grow. So I'm not responsible when they don't come to Christ, and I'm certainly not responsible when they do come to Christ. I am responsible for my portion of his faithfulness, of just pouring it out there. Number three, again, all this tying into the theological understanding of what mission. So we're, we're called, we're empowered, and then we're sent. God sends us. Jesus sends these apostles. Go back to that text. He sends them with nothing. And you may be asked, why does Jesus do this? I can't even take two tunics. They've got to do all these different things. Why does he do this? And I think the simple answer is this. He wants them to be able to answer the question, am I more than enough? Like, is he more than enough for you? Right wherever you are, is he more than enough? When a relationship crashes, when struggles at work come, when it feels like your personal life is just in a hurricane, Ask yourself the question, is he more than enough? And I would encourage you, if you're not in a bad place right now, and you're in a mountain, and you're just like, man, God, you are more than enough, ask the hard questions and go, why? Why are you more than enough? Like, if all this was to go away, God, would I still see you as more than enough? Because we need to prepare our hearts for those valleys, because they come. If he's more than enough, and we've been called, 
We've been empowered and we've been sent. What's keeping you from being sent? If you were going to make a movie of your missional life, what would the title of the movie say? Netflix and chill? Worked hard? Fell short? Surrendered? What, I mean, seriously, what would it look like in your life to just be fully surrendered to the call, to be sent? And that doesn't necessarily mean that the Lord's going to call you to a third world country around the world or to a first world country around the world. For a lot of us, it means he's called you to the nine to five. Like, how are you sent at your job? How are you sent with your children? How are you sent at this church? This church isn't a place to come and sit. No, nobody's church should be a place to come and sit. Like, churches are gathering of saints so that we can do the work of the ministry. And so I hope and pray that if this isn't your home church and you, you go somewhere else, then I mean, y'all are being sent right where you are. And if you are at this place and you're not being sent, come find me. I'll send you, right? Like we are sent right now. And so what I want to do is I'm going to take a few moments really quickly. And I want to talk about this idea of being sent and how our church supports this sending. So we do it through three ways. We call it global reach, local service, and local intentionality. So local service is kind of what it sounds like. We're, we set up and we have partners in our community where we can send people to go serve. So we partner with an organization called Crossroads Recovery. Brad Sapp and Jody Sapp lead this ministry, and it's a ministry to help get men off of and out of addiction and to get them firmly planted in the word of Christ and get them moving in their life to cast away this addiction and then figure out how to live life. It's a fantastic ministry. We love to be able to support and pray and walk with those people. Caring Solutions is a ministry in our, in our city that helps Mothers who are expecting a child to make a decision to keep life. And so they try to take away all the financial burdens. They try to take away all, the, all, all of the, the things that can get in the way, the relational things. They try to coach them. They have counseling. And, and we try to push people towards these ministries and help push resources towards these ministries. We support local schools in our area. In 2024, we're going to talk about this organization called Families for Families. It talks about loving on foster families and maybe becoming foster families. In our county alone, there's like 164 kids that don't have a place to live because the foster system here is just underdeveloped. There's just not enough resources for them. And in our community, we have one Family for Family support center. We want to see more. Look, if you're going to vote and you're going to stand on a pew at a church and say pro-life, you better support the entire life. So our church is looking to do that. That means y'all who call this place home are looking to do that. So local service begins with us going out, in the going out in the city and partnering with organizations that are already friendly planted. They're doing great work and going, how can we help? How can we pour resources? How can we pour people? How can we just revitalize and help in any way that we can? You, you can look at yesterday, some of our, our team and our missions team 
um, went out and set up a thing, and Hunter and the band went out and did an amazing job. There was a making half marathon, and this is just a small local service thing. First year uh, set up half marathon in our city. We had what four, five, six hundred runners, something like that. They went out and set up a band, and dude, they those guys shredded the band. I mean, they were just. I don't know if you've ever like heard Hunter play, but it's stupid good. Um, and they went out and set up early in the morning. It's 32 degrees, and Chris Rayner, one of our missions team leads, set up this whole thing to give out water and Powerade and encourage the runners who are, you know, doing something that I should do and never going to do because it's 13 miles. Uh, I'll drive it. We got you. Um, and it was just an encouraging thing for them. And those are some of the things we do through local service. Local intentionality. We, we, we set up missional communities to do this. So here's what local intentionality is. You have people in your life that need, first off, they need a friend. They need just a, somebody to love on them. They need the gospel, but we don't want to just go in their face and shove the gospel. We want to just be friends. We want to give them a place to belong before they believe. And so missional communities exist to kind of carry out this idea of being sent right where you are. And so if you're not an NMC at the end of the service, I'd love for you to go out to our lobby. We're going to have one of our our mission team leaders out at this booth, and he'd love to talk to you about MCs. Local intentionality looks like leveraging our relationships, our friendships, and the people in our life for the glory of God and getting them the gospel. The third one is our global reach. We have two primary partners in the global reach. The first one is an organization called Love Guatemala. I think I have a video for them. Go ahead and play that video, Megan. Welcome to Love Guatemala. Love Guatemala. Love Guatemala. We would like to share with you about our ministry here, La Guatemala. We have two education areas here. We have our adult education classes. That is divided into three programs. Primaria, básico y diversificado. Primaria, which is elementary school, básico, which is like middle school, and bachillerato, which is similar to high school and college preparation. Normalmente aquí en Guatemala la duración es de 12 años. In Guatemala, those classes usually take 12 years. Nosotros lo reducimos a 6 años. But here, the students take the classes in 6 years. Debido a que esas personas adultas. Um, the reason for that is that all of the students are adults. Este programa ayuda a nuestros estudiantes a tener una mejor oportunidad de trabajo. Um, these classes help our students to have better job opportunities. También así, nuestro área vocacional. And on the other side of things, we have our vocational training classes. El cual, este área es más técnico. Those classes are more technical classes. Eh, por el momento, contamos con nuestro área de inglés. Right now, we have our English classes. Que tiene la duración de tres años. And those are three years. Eh, debido a la pandemia. Um, because of the pandemic. Cerramos nuestras escuelas fundadoras. We had to shut down our other vocational training classes. ¿Qué sería nuestro área de arte y pintura? Um, those would be art. Repostería y panadería. Um, baking and cooking classes. Y nuestro área de carpintería. And carpentry. También así contamos con nuestro programa de comedor infantil. We also have our feeding center program. 
el cual eh, brinda apoyo a nuestra comunidad. Um, that helps our community a lot. Eh, brindando una vez a la semana almuerzo y una bolsa de vista. One time a week, our kids are able to come here and receive lunch, and then afterwards they're able to bring a bag of food home to their families. In that program, we have 50 children and 30 families. We believe in our vision of La Guatemala and in the ministry that God has given us. It, uh, we've been partnered with Love Guatemala for, I don't know, 10 years or so. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity to go down there. We love on the people. We feed them. We help build houses. We uh, just partner with them in, in such an amazing way. There's so many people in our church that have gone. If, if you're interested in more information about that, we'll have some stuff coming out in the coming weeks. Um, and we'll talk about some mission trips and stuff here in just a moment, minute. The, uh, the second partner that we have is a church plant that's just plant, planted in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. Y'all watch this video real quick, too. I don't know what you think about when you hear about Scotland. Maybe it's Braveheart or some other movie that you've seen that shows off the incredible landscapes there. It's truly beautiful. There's castles, there's beaches, there's some of the most iconic and photographed cities in the world. And it has a tremendous history. You know, hundreds of years ago, more than 80% of the people in Scotland were attending church. It was known as the land of the book. Those churches were sending people all around the world. They've impacted our own country in ways that we just don't have enough time to explain right now. But something happened. And today, most people are surprised to learn that only 1% of the nation of Scotland would say that they know Jesus as their personal savior. As a result of that, communities are struggling. People are hurting. They feel lonely, abandoned, confused. It has truly become a spiritually dark place. I have to say, I was pretty surprised when one day mowing my grass, thoughts of Scotland and the needs there were going through my head, and God in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit just laid it on my heart. I want you to go there and be a part of turning the lights on in this place of spiritual darkness. And so we're being obedient to the vision. My wife and I and our boys have been praying together and decided that we are going to plant a church. We've called Take Hold Church. But more than that, we want to plant a church that raises up other planters. We want to partner with other churches. We want to see God truly do a great work in revitalizing this country, bringing revival. We want to turn that 1% number upside down. We believe that God wants to do that too. We want to invite you to be a part of stories of life change that are yet to be written. You can go to takeholdchurch.com today and you can give, you can subscribe, and you can be a part of what God is doing. There are two things that we are doing to uh, enhance our global reach. The first one is a mission trip opportunities 2024. Uh, at the end of the service, if you want to make your way out to the MC Missional Community booth out there, we have packets uh, for our mission trip overview. We'll take uh, a mission trip in Guatemala and in Scotland. Uh, we do not have those dates set. The way we're going to put those dates together is we're going to take the people who are interested. We're going to get them together and we're going to plan a trip together rather than going, hey, it's going to be such and such date. 
And some people are going, well, I can't make this, I can't make this. We're going to go, hey, whoever wants to come to Guatemala, let's get together. Uh, whoever wants to come to Scotland, let's get together, we'll do that. So that's the first method, and you get more information about that and contacting us in that packet. The second way, we're launching today through the end of the year. You uh, hopefully saw in the lobby uh, this shine display. Uh, this display is pointing us to this idea that we want to be the people that God has called us to do and be sent and bring light into dark places. And so uh, at the end, between now and the end of the year, we're going to be collecting funds to give to missions through uh, Take Hold Church, through Love Guatemala, and through other very various avenues in our city. And so if you feel so led to give today, you can give online. At the end of the service, Pastor Mateo is going to come back up, make a few announcements, and he'll talk about the joy buckets. Yeah, make sure y'all are still awake. And how you can give through there, you can give through the app in all different ways, and you can designate a fund to go to our Shine campaign. Uh, we're, we're hoping, I'll just give you a, a quick picture in my last final 60 seconds. You know, Scotland is, is a, uh, a very different place than Guatemala, obviously. So we've been going to Guatemala for years. Scotland's a new thing. Um, you'll notice the the, the difference in the prices and the trip and all those things. And for several reasons, Scotland's a very expensive place. So this church that's planted uh, in, in Scotland has found out that uh, you're not just buying land. Um, you're you're going to have to rent a facility. They meet in this place called St. Stephen's Church. Inside of this church, it's been gutted. It's now a theater. It's actually the Sir Ian McKellen Theater, if you don't know that name. It's Gandalf, Lord of the Rings uh, kind of deal. And here's how churches survive. Uh, every August, there is a big arts and, fest arts and crafts festival that comes to the entire city of Edinburgh, and pretty much the church is shut down for three weeks, and they allow these outside venues to rent their facilities, and they take their prices up, think of like the masters, so much so that that helps to pay whatever costs they have for the rest of the year. And so uh, Take Hold Church is right now having monthly services. They're actually having their third service today uh, in about 30 minutes. It's be 5 p.m. their time. And it, beginning in February, they're going to go to every week. Well, it's going to cost them somewhere between $1,500 and $2,000 every time they gather to have a Sunday morning service. And so some of the funds that we're going to raise for them, will be sponsoring Sunday morning services for them. They're looking to the sponsors and saying, hey, get a Sunday, get a Sunday, get a Sunday, so that they can host gatherings. Uh, we were, my, my wife and I were afforded the opportunity to go out there last month, uh, and I think they had 50-some-odd people at their second gathering ever, uh, which to us may not seem like a large number. Let me tell you, the average church in that city uh, is somewhere between 25 and 30, and the mega church is 300 Whereas in our church, the mega church is somewhere around 2,500. Uh, and so um, there is a lot to do. And in ending my, my message, I just want to ask you this question. How are you being sent? And how are you a part of this sending process? How are you being sent? If Jesus was to walk into your house today, just like he came and interrupted those disciples' life in Luke chapter 9, and he calls you, equips you, and sends you, how would you respond in your being sent? Oh, I'm already doing X, Y, Z? Or, yeah, I need to go do these things. Not all of us can go to the ends of the earth, as it says in Acts 1.8, but you know what most of us can do? We can support those efforts. 
There's not a person in this room that couldn't sacrifice a Starbucks drink over the next eight weeks and take those same resources and give it to missionaries. There's not a person in this room that couldn't give a dollar. That's, you know, that dollar might not seem like a lot, but every dollar counts. There's not a person in this room that is in Christ that couldn't take an opportunity to start praying every day, Lord, give me the passion and the boldness to be sent today. And if you're wondering, hey, you're not a Christian, and like, what does this being sent look like? You want to know more? Come find me or one of our staff or elders at the end of the service. We would love to talk with you about what it looks like to give your life to Jesus and become one of the sent ones. Let's go to the Lord. God, we thank you for your church, this sending organization that you have established, that we stand on your name and your truth and in your power, that all of the authority uh, that's been given to us comes through you. And I, I just pray that our church will get in line to be the sent ones, that we'll be the people who hit the front lines and support those on other front lines in different regions around this world to bring you glory and fame. That over the next several weeks, we will make adjustments in our life to financially support the missions that you have around the world. And that we won't just give so that we don't have to do, but we'll also step up and we'll start asking for you to make an opportunity for us to be bold and share your love with someone. God, help us to be the church that we sing about and that we talk about. The one that wants to lead people to love you, love others, and invest in your kingdom. It's all these things I pray in your precious and holy name. And God's people said...